0: What's up, Liberty lovers? Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Ammo.com. There's nothing more American than ordering a stockpile of ammunition and having delivered right to your doorstep. But you know what? It gets even better than that. Not only does Ammo.com deliver sweet, beautiful packages of ammunition right to your door, they're also run by libertarians. In fact, you can read an awesome article on their site right now that I've linked to on the show notes page called Locked Up, How the Modern Prison Industrial Complex Puts So Many Americans in Jail. And you know what? It gets even better than that. When you buy at Ammo.com, 1% of every single sale, that's gross sale, not net, goes to a libertarian cause of your choosing that you get to pick at checkout. And the best part, the kicker. Through the link, ammo.com slash lions of liberty, you get $20 off your order of 200 or more. So support this show, help to spread the ideas of liberty, and buy some ammo to defend your personal liberty. Bam!
1: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your
0: host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is only one of three shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast network. It is the longest running, the old school, the OG libertarian variety Show uh, there's lots of posers out there now. People trying to rain on our parade, but we are the original, and don't forget it. And it all started back with our Monday podcast hosted by Mark Clare. It's our longest-running show. It was the original, the OG of the OG, Lions of Liberty podcast. And on that show, uh, Mark interviews leaders in the libertarian movement, and he hosts roundtable discussions called Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. If you haven't heard them before, pretty entertaining, pretty fun. One was uh, just released this past Monday. Unfortunately, I was not on it. From time to time, I, I am on them. I'm actually on most of them. But this one I wasn't on, and you know what? It was still really good. So I encourage you to go back and check it out. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of culture, Comedy and liberty, and I, I guess I should say that that libertarians and living rooms drinking liquor segment um, is going to be taking place on more than just our Monday show. It used to really be relegated to that Monday time slot, but now we're going to have it uh, once a month on the Wednesday show and once a month on Felony Friday, in a most likely in an is it a crime and should they do time type roundtable format. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to more roundtable discussions with uh, my, you know, good friends at Lions of Liberty and also bringing in some outside voices to take part in uh, that fun, uh, you know, fun times, you know, when you uh, sip on a drink and just uh, shoot the shit, as they say. Uh, Some good content, some of the most popular content out there. If you haven't subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast, do it do it. Go to wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. I mean, you're a smart person. You found this podcast, so I'm sure you can find the subscribe button to pound. And then uh, if you're feeling really frisky today, give us a little five-star review. Leave us a nice little comment. That would be very, very much appreciated. That is really all I have for today. Today's show, before I get into today's show, I want to let you guys know that this is a long one, okay? More than an hour long, but it's it's freaking awesome. And my guest, uh, J.C. Almanza, fantastic guy. Uh, got to know him during this interview. It's the first time I ever talked to him. His story, he's going to talk about the lows of the lows of being in a Mexican prison and getting stabbed and then working his way all the way back. He spent time in U.S. prisons as well. But working back, uh, once he got released the first time as a personal trainer and getting thrown back in prison and it's it's a crazy story and this is a guy that has just worked his butt off to be where he is and to turn his life around. So, hope you enjoy today's show. Let's get right into it. My guest today on Felony Friday is JC Almanza. He grew up in a rough neighborhood in uh in Chicago and at a very young age got caught up in in a rough life, drinking, doing drugs, and stealing cars. All told, he spent about 17 years in prison, in and out, on multiple stints. Um, After getting out the last time um, JC has hit the ground running, he's the founder of a really awesome organization called Wrong to Strong LLC, which is a nonprofit that is focusing on bettering the community by providing resources to those who are most vulnerable. In that community. So, JC, welcome to Felony Friday. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. really appreciate you taking some time out. Um, got uh, introduced to you by uh, a friend of ours, friend of yours, uh, Michael Monsavise, good guy, another guy who's out there <laughs> who's, who's working hard for uh, for criminal justice reform, work working his ass off. Um, I, I guess the first place to start, man, what I, what I like to do with my guests is kind of set the stage you know, I know your, your story is, you know, it's got lots of different aspects to it. I don't want to skip over anything. So let's just start at, at the beginning, you know, growing up in Chicago, that situation there, can you just sort of paint the picture of what your early years were like?
1: I, I grew up in Chicago, um, Latino neighborhood, a uh, Mexican, uh, neighborhood. And, um, my, my dad was an alcoholic and, uh, My parents were really, really young, so, you know, kids having kids, I call it, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, there was a very dysfunctional family, so a lot of, a lot of abuse, uh, you know, mentally and physically, and um, uh, my mom ended up trying to run away from my dad because of the abuse at home, and uh, she ended up moving in with uh, her brother uh, in Sacramento, California. I think we lived there for about two years. I don't remember too much of it. I uh, just remember kind of like the bad stuff because I was really young. And, uh, how old were you at that time? I want to say like five, six, maybe seven. When you start to remember, you know, I remember some stuff, not too much, but I remember some stuff, mostly all the bad stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, the one that started molesting, uh, me and my sisters, and uh, uh, it, uh, a lot of abuse with him. A lot of um, torture because uh, the way he would, uh, you know, I guess you could say, uh, if we did something wrong, was uh, ice baths. Uh, it, it was uh, it was torture, man. You know, dark room for hours. Uh, a lot of that stuff um, affected me long long term. Like now that I'm growing up. I hate water. I don't sleep in dark rooms. Um, so it was a lot, a lot of torture as a kid. So I kind of started growing up with kind of like a chip on my shoulder after that. So um became very, very aggressive. And um, finally, my mom ended up moving to Mexico with her father. And even though my mom meant well, she was, she was a little messed up mentally. So um, very abusive, too, you know. Uh, a lot of hitting and uh, stuff like that. So I ended up one day, I don't, I don't, I I, I remember the day, but one day I kind of like just had enough and I was just like, that's it. You're not, you're not, you're not hitting me no more. And, you know, she was like, well, then you could go live with your dad then. And I was like, yeah, send me anything better than this. So I I remember the day I told her that, and I, I know it hurt her because she still you know begged me the day before I left not to leave but I had already made up my mind and I I, w- I wanted to come back to the United States. I wasn't happy in Mexico.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I
1: was already used to being here. So um you know uh I got sent back with my dad. When I got sent back with my dad, I was 11 but I was already a little a little messed up you could say, you know, in the head and um when I got to Chicago, 26th Street, uh, my dad was kind of, I guess, still messing around. We, in the uh, in like the AA program, they call it being a dry, a dry drunk. He was sober, but he was still doing a lot of bad things that he shouldn't have been doing. So he was still messing around with girls, you know, hanging out at the gym and stuff like that. So... I got to run the streets like a little animal, man. Like I didn't have no rules. I I was 11 years old and I was staying out till about two in the morning on the weekends. So smoking weed, hanging out with, I always hung out with older guys all the time. I was 11 and all the people I hung around with were like 16, 17. So they were already, you know, doing bigger crimes, you know? So I graduated pretty fast into, into, you know, bigger crimes pretty fast. And, uh, I mean that's how it started really you know i I still remember my my you know my good friends of that time you know that got me into my first fight they got me into just all the first chaos that I got into so um you know it just started there and then um after that, my grandparents found out that my dad was always gone he was never there, so they they stepped in and they they took me to their home and they know, were they were in Chicago also. Yeah, they were in Chicago, too, but they lived in a different neighborhood. And um, I went from one neighborhood that was a different gang to another neighborhood that was a different gang. So now this neighborhood, I'm, I'm getting beat up because it's a different gang and I come from this place. And I. I, I went from not having rules to having rules. And, you know, they couldn't deal with me because I would jump out the window, I would sneak out, I would be gone all day, you know, she would find, you know, I had to protect myself because I lived in a really bad area. So I had to like, find ways to get guns. And, you know, she would find guns in my, in my, my dresser. She was always going through my stuff. I never had no kind of privacy. Like, it, it was, it was intense, man. Like, I still remember to this day and it still kind of stresses me out because uh, to this day, like, like today, barely today as being 42, I barely know what a little bit of like privacy is. Does that make any sense? Does that come from all the time you spent locked up and, you know, having that at home and then being in prison, no privacy, like it's, it's, it's crazy how those little things could like change you, you know? so i just got i started getting into a lot of trouble once i got into my grandma's house and and that's where it really started getting like really really out of hand because i was very very unhappy um
0: do you think you that you started to rebel even more because of that sort of having no privacy and feeling trapped
1: yes 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 and 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 most of anything like not being understood man like they they didn't know what, what I went through as a kid. They didn't, they didn't know what happened to me. They didn't like, they didn't try to like, you know, I had an, I had an uncle, my uncle Martin, my dad's brother was the only one that really, really stepped in and uh, really, really tried to help me, you know? And, you know, he, he took me to uh, the college, uh, university of Illinois and get some studies done on me because the teachers thought that I was actually like slow and, he did studies on me. I'm actually above average intelligent. <laughs> I was just using it for all the bad stuff. <laughs> so you know, um, he stepped in a lot, man. But um, it was too late, man. I, I was, I was lost. I was in the game, and you know, I started, I started uh, hustling. I started selling weed, and I kind of fell in love with making money, man. Even if it was, a, you know, a couple hundred bucks when I was young, I. I I, I thought that that was the solution to everything. So, you know, I, I wanted to do it full-time, you know, and, and I ended up graduating to bigger things. And, and, you know, by the time I was 16, I was, you know, working for the families in Mexico, you know, the, what we call today the cartel, you know, and uh, graduated into that. And that so was I, more money. So so course- how, d-
0: how did that play out, getting involved with the cartel? Did, I mean, can you explain? explain like how does that happen
1: well i had a i had a, a friend of mine that i grew up with uh, a girl she she knew everybody she was she's the one that taught me what i what you say like the game and you know she hired me as to be one of her mules and when i got to mexico i met the main the main people and um i've always had like a gift i guess um Charisma, I went people over pretty easy, mm-hmm. and you know the guys in Mexico took a liking to me, and um, I started you know working with them directly, and and uh, I just st- started making money at, at a really young age, man. Like I mean, what 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 kid can you say that sixteen year old sixteen years old is making twenty grand here and there? You know, not too many. Yeah. So best sneakers, best clothes, you know everything, and. Um, uh, it just got me more in trouble and I, I ended up getting caught when I was, uh, 17 in Mexico. So I did some time in the Mexican prisons and those are, those are real prisons. They're not, all the prisons here in the United States are five-star hotels compared to that.
0: Can, can you explain a little bit, so maybe some of the things that, that, ma- that made it so much worse?
1: Well, when you get there, there's no assigned bunk. There's no assigned room. They just open the door and they just throw you in. And uh, the people in there, since there's no control, no guards, no nothing, they're running around like savages pretty much and, you know, dog eat dog world pretty much. And I- I'll never forget when they opened up those doors and they just threw me in and I was like, you know, where's where's my cell? Where where do Where do I go sleep? And they're like, you know, find a place, buscale. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because all these inmates are the ones running the show in there. And, um, it was pretty bad, man. Um, I've seen some pretty bad stuff over there because there's, there's no, there's no control. There's no, the the guards only come in, you know, maybe once or twice a day and that's it.
0: And how much time did you, did you do in Mexico?
1: I did almost four years waiting for my American uh, transfer. I it was the uh, that uh, project. The um, it was uh, when they were transferring inmates, Americans for Mexicans here in the United States. There was a program that they had back in the nineties. So there was like a waiting list to get transferred over the American exchange program. That's what it was.
0: So when you got transferred over, you were. You were probably happy with that to get out of oh there.
1: man i was it was the best best day of my life <laughs> for one, I owed a lot of money over there, <laughs> and everybody was like chasing me, chasing me like where where am I going and uh it was uh you know it was funny because there's there's so many drugs and alcohol over there inside the prison that like that's what people do every day, so I became. Very, very addicted to like crack, cocaine, alcohol, cocaine—just uh, big, big amounts. Because it's it's like that's how they deal with with the inmates. They're like they flood the the, the prison with drugs.
0: So it's just coming in. The the guards are bringing it in, selling yep. it. Or yeah.
1: yep, it's just they're bringing it in, they're bringing it in, and, and the main guys just run the show. And and where,
0: where do prisoners get money to pay for it? <laughs>
1: Man, people wash clothes, clean rooms. You know, you'll be surprised, man. Like, it's crazy because, like, at first when I first got there, you know, my people were taking care of me. They were sending me about $1,000 a month. And $1,000 inside of a prison dollars is a lot of money. But I was going through it like I was broken like a week because I was my, – my drug habit just got so out of control that, you know uh, – I, I was, I was, I was just out of control, man. It's crazy because when I left Mexico, my waist was like a twenty nine. I think I was weighing like a hundred and twenty pounds, man. I was, I was in bad condition.
0: So when you got transferred back to the states, where did you end up from there?
1: I ended up going to a federal prison, Latuna, and El Paso, Texas, and that's that's where I got transferred to. Um, that was like the. The receiving prison for uh, the image coming in from Mexico, but you know, when I was on the plane flying over, I seen uh, I seen how fucked up all the Americans were, man. Like, talk about you know they, they didn't they didn't they didn't call it PTSD back then. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, they 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 didn't. I guess they didn't had they didn't diagnose it yet back then. Right. But I, I still remember to this day how i i looked back at the plane and everybody looked really bad there was a, there was americans that were like shaking there was the the violence had got to them uh, the abuse you know um i i got i got stabbed a couple of times over there but it was because i was a troublemaker and i was always into something cuz i i ran with a pretty big strong crew there like i always I've always been smart enough to know, to fit in what I get in. Like I've, I've always kind of managed to, you know, talk my way into places. So mm-hmm. I, I did. Okay. I, I got into trouble because I, I wanted to, I was getting into trouble because I was a troublemaker, but a lot of those dudes didn't have a chance. A lot of those dudes got probably picked on, probably raped, probably, you know, abused, you know, cause it's like I said, it's, it's a, it's a jungle. It's a dog, dog eat dog world.
0: So you just casually dropped in a, then you got stabbed a couple of times, so how did you how did you recover from getting stabbed in prison I mean is there medical treatment well, in they a just, Mexican they took prison me
1: to the medical and you know checked to see if I needed stitches and it was a couple of cuts that you know were done with a with a razor and you know they patched me up and that was it I mean I, I got out and back to back to the same old thing I mean honestly to tell you the truth I didn't even when that time passed by, I didn't even feel it. Like it just, I didn't realize that so much time had passed by, you know, my, my mom would go and visit me and, and the first thing I would ask would be for money. And, you know, now that I think about it, I, I you know, I, I feel so bad because like I would leave her in my cell and I would go get high and then come back and, you know, and she would be sitting there, you know, waiting for me. And, uh, I was just very, very lost, man, you know, very, very lost in my, in my drug addiction and just, I guess sad being in prison like that and somewhere else. And, um, it was just, it was a bad time, man. Bad time in my life.
0: So when you, when you got back in the States, um, how much time did you end up serving on the rest of that sentence?
1: Uh, when I got back to united states uh they actually they actually um they put us in a room and they started showing us movies about uh Vietnam vets and this is uh the part where my my head clicked and post traumatic stress like they mm. they were actually showing us people that came back from war how messed up they were, blah, blah, blah. And while I was in the room, you know, I, I, I decided to tell my story. I decided to you know tell them how I got stabbed, how things happened. And, and I, and it, and it was just because I kind of felt like I had been in counseling my whole life. So I kind of felt that that's what I needed to do because it was like a natural reaction for me. Um, like I need to talk about it in order to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to the counselor and I told her everything that happened for me to me. And, and uh, I actually got, I think it was four or five years off my sentence for pain and suffering.
0: Was that common? Do you think with, uh, with other prisoners coming back from, uh, from Mexico to the U S or do you think I, that was,
1: I think so, man. It's just, I think that a lot of those guys were so messed up in the head, man, that like, <laughs> they just, they didn't say nothing like I'm telling you, I look back at the back at the plane and I actually said thank you to God for letting me be like in my prime of like violence and my prime of being young, because like if you would have sent me there right now, I, I, I wouldn't make it. man. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm fucking I'm not I'm not that I'm not that tough no more. I'm not. You know, uh, they would have ate me fucking alive. I, I wouldn't have made it. Mm hmm. And it, it was, it, it was, it's a very tough world. So, uh, it, I
0: mean, obviously, right, you look at yourself today, right? And I talked about during the introduction, you know, the things you've accomplished with Wrong to Strong and everything else you're working on. So, what happened? Was there like a, an event? Was there, you know, a, an epiphany you had? Something that you know, changed your mindset?
1: Yes. Yes. And so I, I was getting into trouble back and forth, back and forth, you know, and um, I wanted to change. But at the same time, you know, I would get a job and I've always I've always actually done very, very well. Like I got a job at Walmart. I became the manager. I got a job at Marriott. I became like the superintendent. Like I always did very, very well in all my jobs. But to a certain point, I've always missed the big money, the fast life, the women, the drugs. So I would miss it, and I would be good for maybe six months, and then I would look for trouble. I would get in trouble, and then I would get locked up. So you know, it was like um, almost like a, like a high, and I I ended up catching like a, a federal case in two thousand and eight, and um I got sent away, did uh, federal time, you know. I said to myself, this time, that's it. I'm done. You know, I was tired. Um, And little things happened to start uh, start changing. Um, I learned how to read really good because I spent a lot of time on transfer. So uh, I started picking up, you know, James Patterson books. I started reading a lot. And I actually started to fall in love with reading. So then I was like, you know, I'm going to try and get my GED. Mm -hmm. So I got my GED. And... You know, little by little, I I always say that little by little, I started telling myself, you know what? Because I always told myself, I'm a dumb man. I always believed it. I guess from all those years of hearing that as a kid, I actually made myself believe it. So I didn't try to do better. I didn't try to learn. So it almost became an addiction. Like if I show you like a picture of all the certificates that I got while I was inside, it's like Mm -hmm. a list. Like I, I went from... Leather shop to, I got an associate's in religion. Uh, anything I could get my hands on, like I, I was hungry. And my, uh, I got accepted to the art debt program. It's a, it's a federal uh, program that you live in a special housing unit for nine months. And mm-hmm. if you graduate, it actually knocks off four years off your sentence. Two years a halfway house, two years mm-hmm. good time. It, it knocks off a big chunk. So a lot of people try to get into that program. And I was lucky enough to actually get sent to it in Florida. And you know, when when, when I got there, I was praying on the bus. I was like, please, please, let there be no Land Kings there. Please, please, please. Because that's that's the gang that I belong to. And, you know, I get off the bus and there's like sixty three of them there. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit, man, it's you know, I'm going to have to participate. I'm going to have to go out to the yard. And the thing is about that art debt program is that if, if you get into any trouble or if you get affiliated, that you're hanging around, they know you're a gang member, but if they find out that you're actually participating, you get kicked out of the program and you lose that time. So I was like, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? Like, you know, and I, I remember I went out to the yard and, they were all sitting around and I I told them, I was like, Hey, um, I don't, I don't want to be part of this no more. I don't, I don't, I just don't want to do this no more. And I got up and I told them I'm going to cover up my gang tattoo. And they're like, there's going to be consequences, JC. And I was like, I know, man, I know. I kind of had just thrown in the towel, man. I was kind of tired already. I didn't really care no more if, if I got stabbed or if I got beat up or if I got, if I lost the program, I just, I was just tired and Mm -hmm. I wanted to change. And, um, you know, I went, I went to work that day and I was, I was praying the whole time. I was praying to God just to, to give me a chance to, you know, do better and, and, you know, learn and get out and, and just have a different life. And, um, that same night I was working in the kitchen and one of my friends, runs up to me, and he's like, hey, um, they're escorting all your friends out. And I was like, escorting my friends out? And he's like, yeah. So I ran out to the window, and I guess they had a real big investigation on the Land Kings there before I even got there because they were, like, sneaking phones in and, you know, doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. And that day they pulled them all out. So I took that as a sign from God, man. Wow. Like, Like, he saved my ass. So I was like, I got to do right from this day on. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I went out to the yard the next day and a couple of guys that were left were the guys that were on the same page as me, just wanted to do good, get out, go home and just, you know, just stay out out of the bullshit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were like, well, JC, we love how you are, man. You're a strong dude. We want you to be our shop color. I was like, "Yo, I don't want to be no shop color. <laughs> I just want to do the program and I want to go home. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to participate in nothing. I just want to do the program, go to church, go to school, and you know, just go home because I was actually studying to be a personal trainer while I was inside prison. Okay. So you know, uh, I, I just I studied, I studied my ass off, man, and you know, at the end of the day it paid off because they actually let me have a classroom in in the prison where I was teaching other inmates how to become personal trainers, you know?
0: How did, uh, how did that come about? I mean, was that something that it's typical or no, no, man. It's just, they, honestly,
1: honestly, the counselors, the guards, everybody just saw that, you know, I led by example, man. You know, I wasn't, I I wasn't, I was still, you know, everything but was by coach. still. Look, I was still, I was still an inmate. I wasn't talking to guards. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't snitching, none of that shit. It was, it was just that I, I, I carried myself with respect and I did what I said I was going to do. So I went to school and, and, you know, the, the lady that actually ran the school seen that. And she was like, Hey, how would you like to help some of these guys? Cause she's seen how the guys would respect me and follow me around. So She's like, how would you like to start a class and teach these guys how to, you know, become personal trainers when they get out and, you know, do do something with their life? And I was like, you know, I would love to do that because I, I didn't like to waste my time watching TV, man. Like, I just, I was always on the go-go. I was always dreaming about what I was going to do when I got home. I've always been a dreamer, man. I, I get in my head a lot, and I just, I I dream a lot. So, I started doing that and it just kept me busy until I, until I came home. So,
0: well, I mean, you you talk about dreaming, you talk about, I mean, I think most people who are entrepreneurial, most people who have, you know, some sort of, sort of vision. And just prior to that, you know, your, your vision, your entrepreneurial drive was for illegal stuff. Right. Yeah. But you you were probably still dreaming back then too. It was just about, you know, stuff that got you in trouble. But after you shifted that focus, um, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that you were able to hit the ground running.
1: I got out in uh, 2013, February 20th, and two weeks later, I was working for LA Fitness as a personal trainer. Six months later, so I was their master trainer.
0: You didn't have any problem with uh, with you know, a felony on the record. They didn't
1: what. I walked in, I walked in, and I, I was like, who's your fitness director? And I already had on paper what I was going to say. I got these two notebooks that I carry around with me that I had since I was in prison. But um, I already had my, 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 what I was going to say, everything, and I was like, who's your fitness director? And they sent me to her, and she's still a good friend of mine to this day. And I was like, hey, I'm going to work for you. And she's like, no, you're not not with all those tattoos. And I was like, no, I'm gonna work for you because I know my shit and I'll be able to sell personal training. So I'll be able to do two jobs. And I just broke it down to to her, and she was like, She's like, I like your attitude, I like the energy that you have, but you know, let me ask you something. Did you just get out of prison? I was like, Yes, I just got out (laughs) a week ago. (laughs) But Don't change the subject, (laughs) you know, and uh, I I left a little bummed bummed out because she was like, I don't know, blah, 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 you know, I'm going to have to run this by my boss. And I left and I I ended up getting a job in construction and I was working at the time and their main boss called me and he was from New York. So that kind of helped me. He was from New York. He gave me a call. He's like, Hey JC, I heard about you. He was like, I would like to meet you. I was like, when he's like, if you could come in today, he's, like, I was like, I'll be right there. So mm-hmm. I even took the chance to just, I quit my construction job on, on site right there. Oh wow. Cause I was, I was that sure that I was going to get that job since I had, I had that phone call. I knew I was going to get that job. So I quit. I left. I was all the way in Mesa. Um, uh, you know, it's it's pretty far from Phoenix. And got all the way to Phoenix and um, sat down and talked to him. He's like, man, I really like you, man. He's like, I'm going to stick my neck out for you. He's like, you're not going to make me look bad. And I was like, no, sir. You give me a chance and I'll show you what I could do. And uh, he's like, you're going to have to cover your tattoos. You're going to have to wear long sleeves. I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll go get all my stuff tomorrow. When can I start? He's like, you can start tomorrow. And... I started, man, and, you know, I ended up being one of the busiest trainers. Uh, I was pretty much – people were coming from other gyms just to train with me because I had heard about my prison-style workouts. They had heard, Mm -hmm. you know, this tatted-up guy. with I had a red mohawk back then. So, uh, you know, I pretty much stuck out. Red mohawk covered in tattoos, Mm -hmm. you know, burpees were my signature move. And and I was in a rich – it's called the Biltmore area. It's a rich area here in Phoenix. So okay. I, I stuck out like a sore thumb, man. Like, I stuck out like people knew who JC was pretty much. That's and, cool. you know, six months later, they made me their master trainer and I was, I was, I was doing really, really good. And um, I ended up leaving a year later because I, I ended up opening my own gym, Alpha Omega Fitness. Wow. Yeah. Are you tired
0: of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com.
1: Listen to We Are Libertarians at WeAreLibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spengel and I host a show where we talk about the stories you and your friends are talking about and then we give you libertarian solutions so you sound smarter when you're talking to your friends. We're going to make you sound like a genius. Tune in now at WeAreLibertarians.com.
0: Are those dry, boring,
1: run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? Always launching ideas in your direction.
0: So you were able to save up enough money in a year to be able to open your own gym, or did you
1: bring on investors or I brought in two investors that ended up screwing me at the end (laughs) because I knew nothing about business, you know, and but I would leave I would leave work at seven o'clock at night, go straight to the building and do construction until about two in the morning. Then I would be back at LA fitness at five in the morning. And I did that for almost seven months Mm -hmm. until I was able to open the doors. You know, it was, it was short lived, um, because, um, um, a lot of personal stuff started happening. Um, Uh, I, uh, I started dating, I started dating and, and it didn't work out because I was still very insecure, very controlling, jealous. And I was actually dating someone that was out of my comfort zone. And by the reason why I say that it was that she was, she was an educated woman. And I, I really never thought that I would date someone like that because I was used to dating I guess people that came from the same background as me Mm -hmm. and I was very very jealous she was around doctors all the time and and you know I I moved in with her so I felt you know she made more money than me and everything and she was actually really really good to me man but I, I I didn't know how to take it in so um she ended up leaving me and um you know, it took kind of a toll on me, and I kind of like went into a depression where I just didn't really give a fuck anymore, and and uh, I started drinking here and there, and you know, people that, that know me from back then, like Bo, one of my guys that was working there as a trainer at my gym, you know, uh, seeing how a bad of a place I got into, and you know, I ended up kind of coming out of it, and I ended up working at another gym after that. I let my gym go because the owners that I went in as partners, you know, were just pretty much just screwing me. Like I, I wasn't making no money. I was just there all day. Um, it, it was just it was a really bad situation. So I ended up, you know, moving to another gym, Fit Training Center in Phoenix, and I actually started doing very very well there to the point where it got to my head and I didn't know how to deal with being successful Mm -hmm. and uh, started going out a lot, started messing around with girls a lot. And uh, one day at a pool party, you know, I had been out already for going on, I was going almost on four years and my PO wasn't dropping me no more or nothing. So, I was at a pool party. There was girls. There was naked girls there. Alcohol. I took a hit off a joint. And guess what? The next day, my PO calls me, tells me, "Hey, I need you to come in and drop." The the, the to this day, I still I still look up and I'm like, "Man, you have a sense of humor, man." Like <laughs> it's like you know, he gave me enough chain hang myself, you know and it's mm-hmm. uh, after i I tested uh dirty, you know he submitted some paperwork, so I kind of threw the towel in man I was like, ah, fuck it, you know, and this, what uh, uh what what year was this uh two thousand fifteen okay and he actually tried to help me man he he sent me to rehab he sent me to a couple places, but in my head. I was already like, "Fuck it!" Like, you know, he's gonna send me back anyways. You know, the system's against me. The system is is meant for me to fail. And yeah, I, I was playing the victim role too much, too much. And I, and that was just because I wanted to fuck up. Not, it wasn't nothing else. You know, I, I have to be I have to be mad enough to, to man up to it. You know, and yeah, he ended up violating me, and uh. I got sent back uh, that year and uh, they sent me to a really fucking bad place in California, um, Victorville, behind the wall. Uh, It was a bad place. As soon as we got there off the bus, some dude had got stabbed in the kitchen. There was blood on the floor when we got there and it was over a piece of chicken. You know, when I say behind the wall is there's a lot of, you know, lifers and just people that have a lot of time, you know, and and it was like that day is when I sat down and I was like, what the, what the, what the fuck, what just happened? Like, why, like, why are you back? And what made it even worse, man, is that I had covered up my gang tattoo. So now I'm considered a dropout. That's really bad in prison. That's really, really bad. So I never thought I was going to go back. Mhm. So here I am back in a really bad place.
0: All because you took a
1: hit off a joint. Yeah. You're back. And I crazy. just didn't care no more. You know? And you know, it's it's um it's crazy how God works in mysterious ways, man, but you know, when I was walking to my cell, it was a big big guard, big black guy. You could tell he worked out and he looked at my leg and I I have 5% tattooed on my leg. It's, it's, uh, it's Rich Piana's, uh, supplement line, you know what I mean? And, and I used to rep him really hard because I I was trying to, you know, get sponsored by them and and be one of their athletes when I was out, you know, working out and all that stuff. And, you know, um, he's like, you're a 5%er. And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, ah, get the fuck out of here. I was like, no, for real, man. He's like, whatever, dude. And he locked me in my cell. So I was like, you know, laid down, started reading. About 10 minutes later, he comes He comes up to the door. He's like, hey, I Googled you. He's like, you're the real deal, man. He's like, you got a lot of workout videos on, you know, YouTube. and And I was like, yeah, I, I told you. He's like what the fuck are you doing here? You have six months to do, and you're in a fucking max prison? I was like, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to talk to the counselor in the morning, man, and uh, I'm going to see what's up. He, because of him, they transferred me out of there a week later, man, and they sent me to a low facility, uh, Lompoc. That's where I met Mike. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've been to a low security prison my whole life. I had never seen so many white people in my life in prison. (laughs) It's all because you got that tattoo, that 5% tattoo. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of, you know, white collar crimes there. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of sex offenders there. You know, there, there was, there was a lot of people that wouldn't have survived in medium or max prisons where Mm -hmm. I had been at. And, you know, it was so funny to me because I got off the bus and they had a fucking tennis court. And I was like, what
0: the what, fuck? Have, every prison doesn't have a tennis court? <laughs> you didn't have that down like, in Mexico?
1: <laughs> I was like, where the fuck did they send me to? And then I keep walking and they have the whole yard has grass, grass, and a huge weight pile with like, every kind of way you could possibly think of. So I was like, man, this is like, this is fucking heaven for me. So, you know, I, I got there and you know I, um, so when you get to prison, you got to pick who you're going to like roll with, who you're going to sit with. You, you got to get all that out the way before you want to go hang out and, you know, make friends and all that shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got there and, um, there was, obviously, there were no Latin kings there because I was in California. And there was a lot of Mexicans. They call them paisas in there. Uh, I decided to sit with them because, you know, my parents are Mexican. I'm Mexican. I consider them my people. So, you know, I went up to their to their main person and told them, hey, I'm going to sit with you guys. And at first, they were a little bit like, eh, because you don't want to just let any gangbanger sit with you because they could bring drama to your, to your, to your table. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, we got to ask, you know, the Southsiders first. We gotta, we gotta ask the other guys first if they're cool with it. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. You know, I had my paperwork. And when I, what I mean about that is I wasn't a child molester. I wasn't a rat. Mm
0: -hmm. So I had
1: my paperwork and, um, uh, they were like, all right, you can sit with us, you know. They they needed they needed soldiers, man. You know, uh, the Mexicans, most of them are there for illegal entry. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of uh, you know scumbags, you know, you know, low lives, but they're mostly all just people that try to come out here to fucking work. Damn. So they're not they're not looking for trouble. You know what I mean? So they, they need a couple of roughnecks in their crew. So they let me in. I sat with them and, you know, uh started doing my time, man. I mean me and Mike hit it off pretty fast because he was in the same unit as I was and um I became friends with him and his boy Vic. And I didn't I don't I didn't have nobody sending me money or nothing, man, and, and I always had to kinda like hustle or, or just kind of, like, find the right people who to hang out with so I could, like, get a fucking shot of coffee, man, you know? And and that's how me and Mike actually became really good friends is that he he seen me sitting down one day by my bunk, and he's like, hey, you got some coffee? And I was like, Nah. He's like, you want a shot? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you got one? And, you know, he gave me a shot, and, and, you know, he told me my locker's right there, dude, whenever – Whenever you want, it's open, go ahead. He's a really good dude, man. Really good dude. I, I got a lot of love for him, a lot mm-hmm. of respect. And him and Vic always took care of me, man. They when they would make food, they'd always put a little bit to the side for me. And, you know, they, they showed me a lot of love, man. And and in there you you build strong strong friendships, man. You know, it, it made me a little bit emotional, just to think about it. But you know, um, you build you build a really strong bond with these guys, where you know if shit ever hits the fan, you're like ready to kill for each other. So you know it's it's a it's it's a life that a lot of people don't understand, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know it's it it was um it was uh it was cool, you know it was um I wouldn't I wouldn't take that time back, you know it made me it made me who I am today. And by that, I mean, you know, I actually sat down and really thought about my life and said, you know, what, what do you what do you want to do? Like, do you want to keep doing this bullshit or or what? Like, you uh, know, I decided not to. I decided to come home and, and just hit the ground fucking running, man. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is I have to lead by example now because, like, you know, our friend Vic, he still has a lot of time to do and. He'll send me texts. He's, you know, I send him letters, pictures here and there. And, you know, I have some of my friends that are doing, you know, 63, 70 years. And they call me, you know, excited to hear what, what I'm doing now. You know, did, did mm-hmm. you finish your book yet? Did, did, did you do this? What are you doing now? They're like, they're living their life through our eyes. So, like, it's very important that, you know, I, I stay doing what I'm doing, man.
0: Right. That makes sense. You're, you're out in Phoenix now. What what originally brought you out to? I know you when you got out the last time you were in Phoenix working in gyms. What what took you out to Phoenix? To
1: well, at the area? time, at the time, um, the the very first time I came out here, my grandparents came out here to retire, and they lived in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I visited the, the very first time. But when I got out my I used my dad's address my dad was living out here he doesn't live out here no more but uh he was living out here and um my stepmom they relocated now to Miami and and North Carolina but um I came out here and moved in with them and then you know I ended up having a I have a kid out here and so you know I ended up just staying out here honestly um you you couldn't pay me to go back to Chicago. I, I, I probably wouldn't make it, man. And I, I had a lot of enemies. I, I did a lot of bad stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, people don't forget, you know, and it's only a matter of time. Um, a couple of days ago, I got some bad news of one of my, you know, close, close friends that I grew up with. He was, he was shot to death. And out of 20 of us that we grew up together, there's only about five of us left. And that's crazy. You know, three of them are doing life sentence, and two. of I'm here, and Eddie's in Chicago, and like to think there were so many of us, and now like they're mostly all gone. So it's like it's
0: crazy. And you're and you're what you said you're like 40 years old. 42. Right? Yeah, you're you're a young guy. That's that's nuts. Oh. Um. So once you got at that last time, just uh, tell us about you know the process. You know starting wrong to strong? How did that all come about?
1: Well, I got out, um, I got out and, um, I went to the halfway house and I was, I was a little worried about like where I was going to live. Um, I had kind of like burned my bridges with my uncle, the one that lived out here. So I was like really stressed out and worried about, you know, what I was going to do, where I was going to live, you know, how I was going to survive. And, um, I ended up, you know, uh, growing some balls and calling my uncle and saying that I was sorry, you know, for, for not, not, not apologizing, just being rude, man, being nasty. And like, when you don't want to accept that you're wrong, you know, your pride, blah, blah, blah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I ended up fixing those ties with him and um, he ended up opening his doors to, to, to me. So right out the halfway house, I got out and I moved into his place. Um, slowly but surely, some of my clients started hearing that I was back out, that I was home again. Um, I got one client, two clients, little by little, they started coming back. And, um, uh, it was, it was hard at first because I didn't have a vehicle, didn't have a driver's license, didn't have nothing. So, you know, I had to get up really, really early to walk all the way to work because the buses don't run 24 hours here, like in the big cities. So, uh, you know, I had to leave the house at like sometimes two in the morning to get to, to walk all the way to the gym where I was working, not to be there by three 30, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I just, I was really, really motivated, man. And I ended up, I want to say six months later, I ended up meeting a girl, my baby's mom. Um, and I did the this, the this, this, the same thing I've always done, and that uh, you know, meet a girl, shack up with her, get her pregnant. I, I have, I, I have. It's it's uh, it's something that I still needed to fix. It was like one of my. It's a flaw that I had. Like uh, I guess, looking codependency. I guess that's what you could want to call it. Mm-hmm. And you know she was pregnant like six months later and I ended up moving in with her. Um, it, it turned into a really bad toxic relationship to the point where, you know, it, it was just bad, man. And, you know, it, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting off a subject, but, uh, at the time when I first met her, I started building wrong and strong and it was kind of like my outlet. Um, I would spend, you know, 18 hours at the gym building this, talking about it, designing my shirts, my, um, my webpage and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I think what motivated me the most is that she was pregnant and I knew I was going to have another baby girl. So it motivated me to the point where I was maybe sleeping two hours a day and still functioning, still training really hard, Mm -hmm. still you know, coming up with ideas for what we were gonna do. Um, my crew got really big, so I had a lot, of, a lot of people. Like I, I had like everybody was making fun of me because they said I had a, like a fitness gang. You know, and I had about twenty guys in the morning coming in working out with me. Everybody was wearing the shirts. We we looked like a gang. You know, we looked like a gang, and you know, I think sometime in the middle when it started getting really bad. I mean, I, I can't lie, you know, I I I started falling into some of my bad habits and I have like I tell you, I'm mad enough to accept my you know where I fucked up and you know I, I started um I started cheating on her. I started uh I started falling back into my old habits of of, of the old I call it the old JC. And um it came to the point where I was like, okay, I need to move out. I need to, I, I need to do things right. Like, what what is really wrong or strong? Like, is it is it just uh, for show? Is it like am I am I fake? You know, and and I came, I came that I had to have one of those come to Jesus moments where like, I had to go back to AA. I had to go back to see my counselor. I had to make the changes in order to, for me to get better again and and um you know like now that I go to the prisons to go talk to the guys I always tell them leave the girls alone man leave the girls alone because you know we we come out and that's the first thing we're looking for we're looking for love and and you know that companionship and uh that's by far we don't need that <laughs> like you need to get right first Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been lucky enough that I have a really strong support group behind me, and all my clients are like family. They all help me build what I have now, and um, I, I just keep, you know, keep trying to get better every day, man. I mean, it never stops. I, I went to a AA meeting today, and I went to go speak to a, a, NA, a NA meeting today too, and. It's just like the gym, man. I, I just gotta keep moving forward, man. It's really easy to do the stuff that you are used to doing, man.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the, the, yeah, the hardest thing to do is to is to change, step out of your comfort zone, and do things that you know you're not you're not used to doing. That's how you grow, though, right? Yeah, how you change.
1: Yeah, and but, you know, um, my biggest thing, man, has always been is that like I learned that if if you fuck up, like own up to it because that's the only way you're going to change. Like if you, if you play the victim or if you say, no, it was her fault. No, you know, um, she wasn't doing the dishes or she wasn't doing this. This is why I did that. No, like if you don't own up to it, you're never going to change. And Mm -hmm. you know, some people might hate you for, for being completely blunt or honest, but you know, you're not, you shouldn't worry about other people. You should worry about you getting better. You know. So I mean, I I, I carry my tune to. A, I, I just I'm different nowadays.
0: That's good advice, though. So w- what else? I mean, cause you have a, a supplement line too, or yes. is that is that a part of? So like, what what is wrong to strong? I mean, is that a part? Of, is, are the supplements a part of that? Or, like, what all do you have going on? Because you got a ton of stuff going on.
1: <laughs> wrong, wrong and Strong is like everything, man. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> I sure have read so many, like, how to be millionaires at books and while I was yeah. in prison. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, we have our own supplement line. We have pre workout, sour apple, fruit punch. We have BCAs, uh, those are watermelon, and we have fat burners. And the name of the supplement line is called the Yard. Go okay. figure. <laughs> it's got gun towers, barbed wire. Um, those are the supplements. But I'm trying to get out of the supplements because it's really not what I want to do. I uh, I made a mistake by getting into that field. It's too saturated. It's too, there's too much competition. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just too much. It wasn't a smart business decision. So. I'm trying to get out of that and just be done with that. Okay. Wrong the strong is a clothing line. Uh, as you can see the t-shirts. Can you see it? Can't see. No, <laughs> you have to stand up. There you go. So that's a t-shirt in the back. It says uh, fitness felon. Actually, the clothing line has done a lot better than, than the, the supplement line. Um, we should do a, uh,
0: a T-shirt swap. I'll send you a Felony Friday shirt. You can send me one of those.
1: Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and it's also a nonprofit. So I'm, I'm working on my grants right now to have them submitted by April so I could spend more time in the prisons because I work with the – so they got me security cleared for two years to go into the – state prison here in arizona and i go in there and they have the second chance program here that just started uh two years ago mm-hmm. and the second chance program what it does is it uh it teaches inmates how to get jobs how to do resumes how to weld how to do construction um just how to be productive citizens pretty much you know and they're actually helping um you know, these, because, you know, the return rate's really high. It's 82%. So they're actually trying to, trying to like cut it down a little bit because, Mm -hmm. you know, Arizona is one of the biggest states that has a lot of private prisons. So a lot of people are making money on, on, you know, these guys coming back. So uh, I go there twice a month for the graduation. I speak, they show my video. I, I, you know, talk to them. Um, I want to be a motivational speaker. I, I want to study it. I want to practice it. I want to be good at it. Uh, I want to spend more time with them. I feel that that 's my my calling because i feel I feel like when, how you feel when you go to church or when you feel like you go somewhere and you, you get like this feeling you leave out of there really happy like with a mm-hmm. smile uh, it, it feeds my soul. So every time I go to the prison, I talk to these guys and, you know, they, they love my story. So like, it, it feels really good to me. And, and, and um, I feel like that's what I want to do. So it's, it's, I hope that I can get these grants going. Um, I really, really want to spend more time in there with them and, you know, they, they, they're, they're willing to actually give me a classroom also so I could do what I was doing in the federal prison, teaching these guys how to be personal trainers. Mm-hmm. So I just got to figure a way to pay my bills <laughs> and hang out at prison all day. <laughs> so, you know? The- yeah. Well, I mean, well, the,
0: the good thing is, I mean, there's there's been a change in the last couple of years, and, you know, prisons are are allowing this, and these types of programs are starting to thrive. So... You know, I am not I'm not sure what led to it, but it, it's been it's been a slow process, but it looks like people are finally starting to wake up in this country.
1: Well, have you um have you seen that uh, movie on Netflix called The 13th? No, I haven't. Okay, you need to check it out because it talks about how prison the prison system got started here in the United States. And it it talks about how when slavery became illegal, you know, you had all these uh Farm owners that didn't have no more workers and what was the best way? You know, they were locking up, you know, black males, whatever, for mm-hmm. petty crimes, and they created the chain gang. And they go into detail how this started growing more and more and more. We're 25, I think it says, it says it on, you need to watch it, but it's, it's kind of like, it'll, it'll, it'll make you think twice. 25% of the population and the United States has either been incarcerated or is incarcerated. That's really yes, yes. Yeah, I I, I know the number the number
0: of felons. I mean, not every felon does time, but it, yeah, it's something crazy like thirty percent or for
1: the highest in the whole world. Mm-hmm. The whole world, and that's that should that should say something. Yeah, I mean. You know, they, they didn't have no programs when I was in and out of prison, man. I didn't I didn't I didn't get no kind of help, nothing. And you know, and you have a lot of these so now that these 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 grants are coming in and and, and, and I seen it the last time I was at the prison. Now that there's money there for these guys to try and get better, you have all these dudes that are stepping in with suits that are opening up sober living places uh halfway houses they're all in it for the buck man and you know i want to really really get this grant and because i consider myself a specialist in this
0: yeah well i mean it's it it's okay to have people wanting to make money off of doing it as long as they're not doing it in an exploiting way um it's okay for people to make money right Um, if they're helping people, I mean, that's what business is. Yes. There's a pain, there's a pain point and you solve the pain point and you help people. I mean, that's, that's capitalism right there. So people, people making money in and of itself isn't bad, but if they have ulterior motives for it and they're exploiting people or or doing uh, nefarious things, yeah, that's, that's a problem.
1: I just, I just really want to step in, man. And I really want to like really change these guys' lives, man. And, you know, showing that there's there's a better way, and that we we live in the best country in, in the freaking world, man. Like dreams actually come true, you know, in the United States. Yeah. If you work hard enough, you could get whatever you want. Like all these self-made millionaires, billionaires that we have here started from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I read all these books about all these people, man, and I was like, shit, man, if they did it, I could do it, you know, mm-hmm. but. You have to have that mentality about, you know, one, staying out. <laughs> Two, hard work. Hard yeah. work pays off. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, you have to actually live by these codes or else you won't, you won't do it. I mean, my routine every morning, man, I get up and I dream. I dream about what wrong the strong is going to be. Where it's going to be like right now I've been dreaming about with I get that grant money, how I want to build like a boys and girls club, like a prison style gym. With a laundry mat, you know, computer room, a meeting room to have these guys come in, pick them up at the halfway house and bands, bring them in, you know, and, and make them feel like they're part of something, you know, mm-hmm. and have them volunteer work there, you know, and and just like a mentorship program and and pretty much just um i just visualize it every day in the morning you know and i listen to my motivational stuff uh you know very rarely do i watch tv i I read a lot you know i have a lot of books i take notes a lot um um, i'm just constantly on the go trying to learn something right now i'm trying to learn how to uh, edit my own videos because i don't want to pay people to do it no more (laughs) yeah You know, <laughs> you wouldn't <and> be both. <laughs> so, you know, I got the app running on this laptop. I got this laptop running. I got the mm. phone going. So it's like I'm I'm always trying to, to do something and use my time very, very wisely, man. Even when I'm in my car, there's times that I listen to music, but very rarely I listen to music when I work out. But mm. when I'm in my car, I'm actually listening to like audio books. You know, I'm trying to learn something or, or positive, you know, just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm always, I'm not the average guy, man. I, I'm a little crazy, man.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I am too, because I'm the same way. When I'm in my car, it's either audio books or podcasts, motivational podcasts or podcasts, you know, on, based on, I'm a libertarian. So libertarian content, you know, learning, learning about those types of things. But I, I mean, I think that's, that's good. We're at a point in society where Education is more affordable and more accessible than ever before. You pick up your phone and and you can learn. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to pay someone $20,000. I mean, you can learn right now. You can go on YouTube and see a video on how to do anything you want to
1: do. Yep. So it's, it's funny that you say that because I couldn't put my bed together when I first bought it. And I was like, man, fuck that. I'm going to YouTube it. Yeah. So I YouTubed it. How to put your best together? <laughs> My exact frame, everything. Yeah. So I was like, man, I I'm infatuated with YouTube, man. I mm-hmm. love YouTube. Like that's oh, the best. I, I I pay for the um, what is it called? YouTube Red. Yeah, I can have like no commercials, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I pay for that, but I I constantly stay on there, man, because um, man, there's so much you can learn from there, man. I I um, you know the uh, the art of war. I listen to books on there sometimes too and um it's great i love youtube man it's 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 the best thing ever invented yeah. i believe that's uh, yeah it, it, it might
0: be actually to this point i'm sure better stuff will be invented but to this point in time it's it might be the best uh, just before i let you go we've we've been talking for an hour more than an hour so i appreciate your time but if you can just plug you know let every, let everyone know where they can find wrong to strong where they can find you know
1: anything else you're working on just uh, just plug away well um, you know my youtube channel is wrong to strong Uh, My Instagram is wrong to strong. My Facebook is JC fit, but I have my business page wrong to strong. Everything's pretty much wrong to strong. If you actually Google wrong strong, I'm pretty sure my, my stuff will come up.
0: It does. I I did. I did that before this interview. It does.
1: (laughs) You know, I I got a lot of reviews, so I'm pretty high up there in the, in this, what do they call it? Search engine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I I learned that on YouTube too. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I mean, pretty much just wrong and strong and, um, there's some big things happening. So, you know, I'm getting ready to, we should be done with my book about my life in a, in a couple of months. So that's, that's coming up and, uh, just more stuff, man. I mean, we're constantly working on stuff.
0: All right, man. Well, once you finish your
1: book, let me know
0: and we'll have you back on to talk about that.
1: Yep. You got it, man.
0: All right. Sounds good, man. Um, if you want to give any parting words, any, uh, any advice for anyone out there listening, who's going through a tough spot, maybe they just got out of prison. It's never too
1: late to ask for help, man. It is never too late to change and it's never too late to learn those three right there. Absolutely. And hard work does pay off. Well, thank you so much
0: for your time, JC. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Well that my friends is the end of an amazing interview. I mean, uh, if you guys didn't enjoy that interview, if you didn't really I mean if you weren't on the edge of your seat going through those dips and just the just imagining living what JC went through. You know, just absolutely incredible. When he's talking about coming back, you know, being transferred back to the United States from Mexican prisons after just living that being stabbed in a Mexican prison multiple times, and you know, and saying up front that if that happened to him today as an older man, he wouldn't make it. The only reason he made it out of there is because he was young and tough and stupid, and he, well, and he and he knew what to do. He he knew how to navigate himself in those situations. But what an incredible story! And if I mean, if that's and I told JC during the interview, this is motivation for people who are in the criminal justice system or who have spent time in the system or, or are going to spend time in the system that you can come back from anything, but it's also motivation just for the, the regular person out there, the regular Joe uh, who's just struggling through the day today, And you know, you can turn your life around like that tomorrow. You can change your life tomorrow. You can change your identity tomorrow on who you are. Imagine, you know, we've had so many great guests on this show who have been through so much, who've, they've been, you know, really uh, suffered tremendous injustice. Some people thrown in prison for murders they didn't commit. Um, you know, JC did commit crimes. He's not saying he didn't commit crimes, but um, the, I mean, the time that he did and the person that he, identif- he identified himself as a criminal and he talked about that That especially when he and you know this i wouldn't say the the last time he was thrown in was a crime that one was when he just uh he smoked a little bit of weed and, and failed a uh probation test and got and got thrown back in for that reason i i wouldn't say that he uh necessarily obviously did not harm anyone there there's no victim there's no crime no victim no time slogan for the show um My point being with all of this, all of this rambling that's going on here, is that to come back from that, to come back from feeling like you've let yourself down, your family down, and to peel yourself off the pavement in a jail cell, pick yourself back up and decide that you want to make a change, that you've just had enough of this life. You want to get out of the life that you were in. For JC it was getting out of the gangs, getting out of the life of crime, getting out of stealing cars, getting out of drugs, getting out of all of that stuff. For somebody else who might be, you know, stuck in a job they hate, a relationship they that they're, they're sick of, uh, you know, maybe they just don't have confidence. Maybe they, they don't have faith in themselves, maybe they don't have faith in in anything out there. Anybody can pick themselves up off the pavement of life and start a new life tomorrow. It sounds ridiculous, but all you have to do is look around. Look at the people who have had on this show. Look at what they've overcome. If you do, if you haven't heard a lot of these stories, go back in the archives and listen. Guys, if this stuff doesn't motivate you, I don't know what does. I mean, just want to encourage you guys. There is we only have one life and you know, the more I do this show, the more that I'm beginning to realize just how important being intentional in your life is and making decisions that benefit your future, not just doing things to do them. I've seen so much injustice. You know, it it you think I'd get used to it, but I've seen so many people be put through the ringer of this criminal justice system. And almost to a person, they are not, they do not carry a grudge. They do not carry hatred with them. They found a way to get past that. They found a way to start a new life. And really, if they can do it, anybody can do it. So that's my message for you today. And I will step off my soapbox and I'll just say one more thing. If you enjoy this show, if you enjoy what we do here, please support us. Please follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page on Twitter. Um, We're at Lions of Liberty. (coughs) Excuse me, on Twitter. We are at Lions of Liberty on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at John Odermatt. Please join our Lions of Liberty forum on Facebook. Just go to Facebook. Type type Lions of Liberty uh, forum in the search bar at the top and uh, hit join and we'll get you right in as long as you are a regular person. And lastly, if you've been listening for a while, you're wondering what else you can do to help, please consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You get merchandise, all kinds of different access to, to us. And uh, if you get to the $25 level, you get a conference call. And if there's the $15 level, you get uh, a daily uh, news links news link email that we send out. So check it all out. Go to patreon.com slash Liberty. That's all I got for today. Thank you so much for listening to this very, very long episode. I appreciate you guys. We appreciate all of our listeners. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning.